How long is it going to take to where the, the pain isn't so intense? And so I would try to make healing a linear process so that I could just survive it. And what I realized is that healing can't be looked at as a checklist because it's a very daily process and it'll take as long as it takes. Welcome to More Than Small Talk. We're Susie Eller, Jennifer Watson, and Holly Gerth, writers and real life friends. We're inviting you to go deeper, become freer, and feel more connected. So imagine you have a cup of coffee, a mug of tea, or a green smoothie in your hand, and we're all hanging out in your favorite place together. Hey, More Than Small Talk friends, we have a treat for you today. Can you tell us about our guest, Susie? You know what? I'd be honored. Um, Lisa Turkhurst is a New York Times bestselling author of more than 25 books with more than 6 million books in print. Her most recent books include Good Boundaries and Goodbyes, Forgiving What You Can't Forget, and It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. And we're actually going to be talking about another book called You Are Going to Make It. Uh, She's president and chief visionary officer of Proverbs 31 Ministries, and she reaches a lot of women across the globe. She writes from her family's farm table in North Carolina. Lisa, thanks for joining us. Thank you. That was quite the introduction. (laughs) Like, could you just stand beside my bed? (laughs) I can. And what I could also say, I had the privilege of working um, with Proverbs 31 for 14 years. And Lisa, what I would want to tell the world is that what you see is what you get. Like, she has a heart to come alongside women and she leads well, and she loves well. So thanks for being with us. Yeah. Thank you, Susie. It was, a, it was my honor to work with you. And um, I'm so proud of all that you're doing now. So thank you for having me on this podcast. Sure. So we're going to just jump in. You have written a new book, and it's called You Are Going to Make It. And Lisa, I just, what prompted you to write this book, because your last three or four books have been books where you've walked in the trenches with women. So share with us a little bit about that. Well, it kind of goes hand in hand with Good Boundaries and Goodbyes, which was the latest trade book that I released. And I love to have a companion product and think about my audience when they're going through a really hard time, you know, with good boundaries and goodbyes, typically the reason that you're going to pick up that book is because you're going through difficulties or maybe even you're experiencing relational trauma. And so part of my journey was when I was in just the worst part of realizing that my marriage was not going to make it, you know, it wasn't just a short period. It was a 10 year stretch of the hardest season of my life ever. And part of that was I felt overwhelmed that a good God could see what was happening and not Mm -hmm. fix it. And I related to the words of Jesus so much. I clung to the words of Jesus in Mark chapter 14, just before Jesus goes to the cross. And he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, what an amazing gift Jesus gave us that he was full divinity, but absolute humanity. He was sinless, but very much sinned against. So he knew the pain Mm -hmm. of betrayal. 
And man, I clung to those words that if Jesus, who had every answer of why this was happening, I mean, he, he knew, and yet he still said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And I realized in that moment, knowing the answer, why this was happening would never help because Jesus had the answers to why it was happening. And he still had overwhelming sorrow. And then Jesus goes on to say, God, everything's possible for you. Take this cup from me. And I related to those words as well. And then Jesus does this beautiful thing of trading his will for God's will, because he was so confident that God would see this through and it would be good. And so I needed a space to be able to practice receiving from the Lord each day, not in a big, deep Bible study, because I was just too overwhelmed for Mm -hmm. that, but just one verse, one nugget of truth. And I needed to receive that in the morning. And then at night, I needed to have a marked moment where I verbalized releasing things to the Lord, things like bitterness. Now, did that mean it automatically took away bitter feelings? No, it didn't. But at least I had marked moments throughout my journey of me verbalizing release. And then eventually I was able to release. And so it's 50 devotions that will come along beside people and invite them into my healing process. And I'm very honest about how hard it was and my practice of receiving and releasing to the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. And one thing you've spoken and written a lot about is boundaries. And that's true in this book as well. And I think that's interesting because people don't, I think, instantly say boundaries and healing go together. And so can you talk to us a little bit about why boundaries matter so much when we're going through a healing journey like the one in this new book? Absolutely. Well, I think sometimes we look at boundaries and I I won't put this on everyone else. I'll just admit I looked at boundaries as a means to make somebody else stop something. Mm -hmm. And I kind of viewed them as like, I'm shoving this other person away because I just can't take it anymore. But really boundaries, the more I studied it. And the reason I wrote this book is not because I'm great at boundaries. It's because I felt like there needed to be a resource written by somebody who absolutely stunk at boundaries and somehow (laughs) figured out a way to make them work, you know, and a big paradigm shift came to me that boundaries are really an effective communication tool to establish where the freedom in the relationship is. Because when you know where the boundaries lines are, you know, where the freedom exists and boundaries help us avoid extremes. Too many of us live in the extreme of, I'm just going to take it and take it and take it and take it and hope it gets better, but I'm not going to verbalize it because I'm afraid that this person will be disappointed in me or criticize me or walk away from me. And so we, we have that extreme until one day we snap and we go to the opposite extreme and we say, I can't take it anymore. I'm done. Boundaries help us avoid those extremes. They help us bring the conversation back to the middle and give us an opportunity to express healthy boundaries in that relationship. And we express things like what I will and will not tolerate, what I can and cannot accept, what I do have to give and what I don't have to give. And I'm convinced that more relationships die, not because we attempt to have a boundary conversation, it goes poorly, but because we refuse to have conversations that are so very needed, but never had. Yeah. Good. 
I think boundaries is something that so many of us struggle to put in place because it makes us feel like, I don't know, like we're controlling or it makes us feel guilty to put these things in place. But I've really found how pivotal and how important it is, but I'm still really bad at it. What would you say to the woman who really (laughs) stinks at boundaries? Like, you know, maybe me. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm going to raise my hand and like the old sage T. Swift says, hi, it's me. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, So here's what I would say. I would acknowledge you're right. It's hard. And I'm not going to tell you what to think, but I do want to give you a lot to think about. And one of the things that I had to sit with myself and really challenge myself is my tendency to people, please. Now, The reason why people please is not because I just want to keep everybody happy. I want to keep everybody happy because I'm afraid if I don't, they will take from me something that they're providing that I fear I will not be okay with if they took that away. And so I put up with things I shouldn't put up with because I feel like the pain of having a boundaries conversation is greater than what I'm tolerating. But at some point that's going to shift and the pain of not having a boundary will actually propel you to want to have a boundary. And my mistake was that I kept expecting, I was almost like desperate to get from other people what I feared God would never provide for me. Yeah. And so I had to have some really hard conversations with myself about this and praying before the Lord. But here's the visual that I want you to picture with boundaries. When God was establishing the temple, he allowed certain people, certain access, but not all people, all access. And it wasn't because one group of people was more valuable than the other. It's because if you had greater access, you were required to demonstrate a much higher level of responsibility. When I was reading that, I realized those two words are really, really important, access and responsibility. When I say access in terms of me drawing boundaries, what I mean is I am limited in areas of capacity of my life, not because I'm selfish, but because I'm human. I have limited capacity to my finances. I have limited capacity in my relational energy. I have limited capacity in um, so many areas of my life, not because I'm selfish, but because I'm human. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what was happening with me is I was giving level 10 access to people that were only demonstrating level three responsibility. And the distance between those two is chaos. And where there's chaos, that means there's a lack of a boundary. So I used to try to put a boundary on another person to force them to be more responsible. Now we can have a healthy conversation and healthy people respect boundaries and maybe they will, but we cannot keep expecting someone because we put external pressure on them to change in ways maybe they're unwilling or incapable of changing. So it's a wrong tactic to put a boundary on them. It'll just be frustrating and it won't produce what we want it to produce. So our choice then is to put a boundary around ourselves to keep ourselves self-controlled, sane and stable and safe. And therefore we reduce the level of access we give to that person down to their demonstrated level of responsibility. And when I started to understand that I saw boundaries in a completely different light and they felt more necessary and a little bit more doable. Yeah. And so good. Is it okay to give ourselves permission to say that that's going to be a messy process? 
so messy, Susie. (laughs) It is so messy. And part of the reason it's messy is because we don't know how to communicate boundaries. So it was really important to me in my book, Good Boundaries and Goodbyes, to write out scripts Mm -hmm. so that people could take the scripts, massage it to their own circumstances, but have something to say so they weren't reactive in the moment where we suddenly start trying to use a boundary to punish another person. But rather, we had a well-thought-through script. My counselor always tells me, prepare in times of security for times of insecurity. And if we feel insecure in communicating the boundary, then we need to write out that boundary ahead of time so that we have it ready to go when it's time to communicate about it. Wow, that's good. And boundaries are messy. So is healing as a whole. And you talk a lot about that and you're going to make it. So why do we expect healing to be this linear, upward and onward, no setback process? And what would you say to the woman who is in a place where she's like, this is so much harder than I thought it would be? Well, I think we want to know ultimately how long is this going to take? Because if we're healing, that means we're hurting and, you know, we don't like hurting. I mean, we have Tylenol if we have a headache and, you know, we have Advil if we have a toothache or whatever, you know? And so we, we feel pain and we don't want to feel that pain. And so we want to numb the pain. And to some extent that's completely understandable, but we will never numb ourselves to healing. We just won't. If we want to heal the pain, we have to deal with the pain. And if we are going to deal with the pain, then we're going to feel the pain. And so a lot of times I would find in myself, I just said, okay, I can endure this, but I got to know how long is it going to take to where the, the pain isn't so intense. And so I would try to make healing a linear process so that I could just survive it. And what I realized is that healing can't be looked at as a checklist because it's a very daily process and it'll take as long as it takes. And there's a lot of grief in healing and grief is like a river. It's going to take you where it's going to take you. And you just got to let it go. Mm-hmm. And my friend, Jennifer Rothschild said something to me one time, and this was a profound statement. And I still think about it. I mean, this was years ago. She said she was talking about her blindness and how hard it is to live daily as a blind woman in a sight world. And she said, Lisa, you'll suffer a lot less the quicker you accept the sovereignty of God. Mm -hmm. And sovereignty is a big word. So what does that mean? That means the quicker that I trust that we don't serve a do nothing God. God is always doing something and that something is pointed in the direction of good, even if it doesn't feel good, seem good, or uh, appear good at all to us right now. So basically I will suffer a lot less the quicker that I accept what I'm facing and decide not to get over it, but to get through it. Mm -hmm. And you know, my counselor also said, mental health is a commitment to reality at all costs. And that's the place that I finally started experiencing healing when I started accepting the reality of what's in front of me. I never wanted my marriage to end ever, ever, ever. And I still wish to this day that wasn't my story. And I think one of the hardest parts of my healing was, you know, I kept saying, I don't want to walk away. I don't want to walk away. But one day in my quiet time, I really felt like the Lord said, Lisa, you're not walking away. You're accepting reality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's powerful. Mm -hmm. So I think that what's hard about this, Lisa, 
and, and I've I've been watching and praying and and seeing you live this is when we have sorrow, it can be really hard to feel hopeful <laughs> about tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? So how do we how do we accept what is behind us so that we can move toward what God has for us? Susie, it's so hard. Yeah. And it requires so many tears and so much intentionality. And sometimes when we're in a place of deep sorrow, intentionality can feel impossible because we can barely get out of bed. Yeah. And I think that's why we have to get people who are specifically trained in the kind of sorrow that we're facing to help us and to acknowledge we may need medical attention. Mm -hmm. We may need a counselor that isn't just a general counselor, but someone who has the specific training for what we've been through, you know, to find my counselor, Jim Cress, it wasn't like I just woke up one day and ta-da, he was here. I had to go through a lot of different counselors before I eventually got to Jim. Jim is specifically trained in partner trauma and that's what I needed. And so, yes, sorrow is overwhelming. And at the same time, the gift of sorrow is that it can help us identify what we need to work on. And even if that working on it process creates even more sorrow, the only way to get over something is to walk through it. And so walking through it, yes, the pain of it will be intense and the sorrow is real. But um, I found that sorrow was a great pointer to the pain that needed to be healed inside of me. That's powerful. Well, we we know that getting to talk with you is is just, I don't know, it's like getting to hang out with a friend who has walked through the fire and now you're bringing water to someone else. And that feels really great. So as we wrap this up, what would you say to this person that says, how can this resource help me? We'll wrap it up with this question. But first of all, it is gorgeous. <laughs> it is beautiful. It would be easy to read every single day. So um, how will this help her as she reads this? Well, my prayer is that she'll feel like she has a friend that's not preaching at her or not trying to teach her big, profound lessons, but a friend who says, I understand, I believe you, I get it, and you really are going to be okay. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for being with us, and we love you a lot. And how can they find out more about you? Well, they can go to Proverbs31.org. They can check out my social media at Lisa Turkhurst. I know it's hard to spell, but if you just look up L-Y-S-A with a T, you'll eventually find it. Yeah. And um, and then also I have a podcast that I love doing. It's called Therapy and Theology. It's really and you can good. Find it wherever podcasts are listened to. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, guys. Thank you for the work that you're doing. I appreciate each and every one of you so, so much. You're such dear friends, and I really, I just consider it an honor you had me today. And that's it for today's episode. Thanks for going deeper, becoming freer, and connecting with us. More Than Small Talk is a part of the KLRC Podcast Network and is produced by Kara Culver. 
Show notes and resources are available on the More Than Small Talk page on klrc.com. You can also join us in our Facebook group. Subscribe to More Than Small Talk on your favorite app so you won't ever miss an episode.